So I knew I wanted to be a mom. I was very motherly. Um, but then I was also ambitious, right? You know, I wanted to run a company and I wanted to make decisions and I wanted to be a game changer. Like I knew all of that. And in my mind, going into my career, I never thought I would have to choose. But what I realized was when I looked around when I was at the firm, if I didn't do what everyone else did, I would not have been able to take the next steps, right? I wasn't going to get there. And that experience was probably the one experience which has changed the way we do things at Shelvin. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sanira Madani and Shannon Monson. And we believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue. And we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who have made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so that you can do it too. You're a real business now. Class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Good morning, ladies. Welcome to CEO School, the podcast. This is your host, Snara Madani, and I'm so excited for today's guest, Avni Desai. Avni is a powerhouse brown female who has literally taken an industry in cybersecurity and technology on its head and is now running the ship at one of the largest tech houses for security called Shellman. Avni's journey is one that I'm so excited to share because she is just not only an incredible professional, she's become entrepreneurial through her journey. So she started off um, in this industry and has really worked her way up all the way to the top in the C-suite. And I want to dig deep with Avni to see how she did that, what were some barriers that she faced, and how she can help all of us listening to really climb and break those corporate glass ceilings. On top of which, Avni is you know, one of my dear friends and she's a mom of two and really does just an incredible job of never missing a beat um, in such a high performing, high growth company. And of course, taking care of her two kids under 10 and really truly, I think that she's mom of the year. So welcome to the show Avni. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Samira. It's so nice to be here. So excited. I mean, your story, it's so powerful and one that I think a lot of women here can resonate with because you didn't start off as an entrepreneur. And, you know, I would love to kind of dig deep into your background. What did you study? How did you kind of get into your corporate profession and a little bit about that? And then take us through, um, take us through that path. And now you're just, you're the woman on top running the show. So let, let's talk, how did that happen? Where did you start? Well, you know, um, I come from a, an Indian family. My parents immigrated here. So growing up, I had an option of being a doctor or an engineer, really. That was kind of uh, the two things. And um, I loved tinkering with things. Like my dad would always tell me he would come and um, the TV remote would be taken apart and all the springs would be everywhere. And he was like, I wanted to get mad at you, but I could see your brain turning. Like you were putting things back together and you just really love to tinker with things and break things. And that's really where my love of engineering started. So um, went to school at Lyman High School right here in Orlando, Florida. Uh, graduated from there, went to University of Florida with a computer science degree. And I loved software uh, engineering. That was like my thing. But one thing I realized was I also loved people. Like I loved talking to people, 
seeing what their problems were, helping them solve issues. So I didn't know like how to find the perfect profession where I took my technical skills, but then also my business acumen. Uh, went to a career fair at University of Florida, met a big four accounting firm, KPMG at the time, and they were starting their new risk practice, which was information risk. So how do companies who utilize technology, you know, this was 2002, how do they make sure that their technology is safe, secure, has the right privacy controls, the right security controls to make sure that their business would run? And that's exactly what I love. So I was able to kind of, um, you know, do ethical hacking in the background, you know, being able to try to break into things and then tell the business owners or the C-suite of the client, well, because of these vulnerabilities, this is the business issue that you can have. And it was perfect. It was a perfect marriage of the technology aspect and the business aspect. So um, I picked up, left Orlando, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I started my career with KPMG, spent a year there. They needed someone to help them open up a Tampa practice and Florida's home. I'm a Florida girl. You know, I love the weather. My family was all here. And so I moved to Tampa, spent seven years there, met my husband at a bar in Tampa. <laughs> um, so uh, Tampa was a, a great place uh, for us um, and stayed there for about eight years. And then I tell people all the time, like, you know, every four to five years, you have to pivot. Like you have to reinvent yourself, re-engineer yourself. And I started feeling like I was a little bit stagnant and I was kind of doing the same thing every day and, you know, controls and security and privacy is not rocket science. Um, and I got an opportunity to move to New York City and actually help uh, KPMG run an internal practice called um, DPP, their Department of Professional Services, something I've never done. Um, I love the big city. Uh, my husband actually got a fellowship there. So we moved to New York City for three years and I got an entire new skill set and I did, I was able to kind of reinvent myself and um, we ate well, we, I started running in Central Park. I was never uh, an athlete by, I couldn't even run half a mile, but um, you know, we just really loved it. And um, I think that really is the stepping stone that got me where I am here. So we spent three years there, moved back to Florida. Um, but you know, during those, the last year I was there, I had my son Sahil, who's now 10 years old. And I traveled, I was home 42 days out of that whole year. And I remember just uh, like being in airports, pumping my milk and like sending it on dry ice and FedEx. And I just remember coming home and there was just one day I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't pick between being this successful person and being a mom. Like I just, and I quit my job. And that was probably the turning point really just quit my job. We moved to Florida um, and I enjoyed being a mom for eight weeks. And then Chris Shellman, who is our founder of Shellman. I'm going to pause you. I'm going to pause you before we get into the Shellman story. Because I think that what you've said here is, is it's so, uh, I think a lot of women definitely resonate with this. So first I want to pick out the fact that you said that you believe that we should be reinventing ourselves every four to five years. And that is something I've actually not heard that in a different way. It's always a growth mindset, but that is so interesting that you're like every four to five years, you should fully reinvent yourself. So much has changed. And so much is stagnant. There's so much comfort if you are just doing the same thing for so long. I love that. I absolutely love what you said there because 
it is, you have to like really zoom out of like your, like your overall being and say, okay, where am I in my life right now? And what have I been doing for the last four to five years? And what does this next journey, this next five years look like? And I appreciate they say four to five years because sometimes when people are like, what's your 10 year plan? Like, I don't, I have like a tomorrow plan. And so four to five years is probably as far out as my brain goes. So I wanted to kind of pause there for our listeners to really just really think about that. And then, of course, you becoming a mom. I mean, I resonate with this so, uh, so dearly when you talk about not being home for your first 42 days, 42 days. That's nothing in, the, in, in a newborn's life, yeah. right? Oh. That, that's literally one month out of 12 months, six weeks. So usually people, people, people are uh, like your, the amount of time that you were present with your child was six weeks versus like being on maternity leave for, for, for six weeks. Like it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. That is so painful. And you are choosing your career because that is also important. And as society, it does feel like as women, we have to choose. Why is it that you feel like, why is it set up that way? That it, it's not easy to have both. Like, why is it the, uh, why is it the, or why isn't it the and? Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it was the hardest. I knew, like, when you asked my parents when I was five years old, what did I want to be when I grew up? They would always say, the first thing you would say is, I want to be a mom. So I knew I wanted to be a mom. I was very motherly. Um, But then I was also ambitious, right? You know, I wanted to run a company and I wanted to make decisions and I wanted to be a game changer. Like, I knew all of that. And in my mind, going into my career, I never thought I would have to choose. But what I realized was when I looked around when I was at the firm, if I didn't do what everyone else did, I would not have been able to take the next steps, right? If I didn't go sell the next big client, if I didn't go um, work on a Fortune 50 client, which was you know all out of town, I wasn't going to get there. And that that experience was probably the one experience which has changed the way we do things at Sheldon. We are a very female-friendly, woman-friendly, mom-friendly, dad-friendly place because I didn't want anyone, I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. I mean, I remember when Sahil was nine months old and he fell, he looked at my mom and went to her. I was there. He didn't even look at me, right? I mean, and, you know, my husband who was a resident at the time would rock him to bed and, you know, give him milk and, uh, but I can tell you at now at 10 years old, I'm still his favorite. So it didn't, it didn't uh, impact, you know, our relationship, but it impacted. I felt like I was a failure as a mom. I mean, every day I would come home and, or every weekend I would come home. I was a full Saturday and half a Sunday. And my husband would drop me off at LaGuardia airport with Sahil. We would have lunch and I would get on the plane <laughs> And I want to cry just like thinking about like, I literally, cause I go back to my days with Mila when Mila was born, I was like fundraising for fat merchant. The company was growing like crazy. I was literally, I was so underwater and I had so much pressure. And especially after you give birth, you're just in such like an emotionally fragile state and you ignore that. And you're just pushing your physically pushing yourself, mentally pushing yourself. And then you add like the mom guilt. Everyone talked about the mom guilt. It's so difficult um, to not be with your child and feeling like you are literally failing. It is the ultimate failure is what you feel. And I, right now, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Um, and it's hard. Um, and, but you make the sacrifice, right? Like, and you, you made the sacrifice. Uh, and you know, I was lucky, you know, my mom and dad moved to New York city. I knew he was in the best care. My husband supported me hundred percent and said, Hey, I want you to, to get to that next level. 
So you do what you have to do and, you know, I'll be home in the evenings and, and it worked itself out. But it, if someone asked me, you know, what was that one low point in my career? It wasn't related to my career. It was a personal low point, right? You know, um, and I made the decision, you know, I made the decision to leave and it was the hardest decision I had to make. I am not a quitter. You know, I wanted to, you know, become the first female partner in the technology um, arena at the firm. Um, but I looked around me, there was no one who was either married or who had kids and who had a spouse that worked as much as they did, right? I didn't, I didn't have any, and I wanted to break that glass ceiling. I was like, I could do it. But you know, unfortunately, I couldn't. I mean, it came to a point where I had to internally realize that I could do it, but maybe this isn't the place for me, or maybe this isn't the time for me to do it. You know, I, I'm just not at the right place and not the right time. Um, so yeah, so I did. I took that step of, uh, yeah, just leaving without a job. I didn't think I would ever do that, you know, leave a, a company without having a job. But, you know, it also helped me. It, I was at my four to five year point, you know, kind of reinventing myself. And and, you know, you talked about this growth mindset, but when you're in technology, I think technology is the only field where, you know, technology outpaces humans at the end of the day. Like, you know, how much data are you like you, you know, every day you probably are doubling the amount of data that you have from a week ago, right? Uh, new um, emerging technologies, cloud is so to 2010, right? Now we have artificial intelligence and predictive analysis, like, you know, I'm in a field where you have to maybe reinvent yourself every two to three years um, and leaving and kind of switching gears and pivoting to something allowed me to reinvent myself. So um, it was that was the right time to do it. And I look back now and I realize, well, it all everything worked itself out. And, you know, if I didn't take that step, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, but yeah, at that point, it was a really low point. Um, in my life, career, personally, as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, like, you know, I felt like I couldn't do, um, I couldn't do anything well. Yeah. I, I really much appreciate you sharing um, such a vulnerable time in your life because um, if this happens, as much as I want to say this is your story, this is the story of a lot of people. A lot of people go through this exact phase and whether it may, may not be at the, at the top of their career, it could be at different points of their career. Um, but it's, it's definitely difficult and feeling like you have to choose. And, um, at the end of the day, I think the lesson always is, is that it does work out, right? Like it does work out whatever your path is meant to take place. It does, it does work itself out. And so to kind of alleviate that pressure to feel like, you know, one of my mentors, one of the best advice I've ever been given, it's never as great as you think it is. And it's never as bad as you think it is. And that every day, like when I walk into the office, there's always some, there's always as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a leader, there's so many highs and there's so many lows. And you want to be like, this is the greatest, or this is the worst. It's just not. Um, and everything is just in its cycle of like, I believe in the cycle of the universe and there's going to be the highs, there's going to be the lows and uh, everything will work itself out. So bravo to you for leaving at such a high point in your career. That's a huge sacrifice that you're making, but the right decision for you and your family. Uh, so you move down, you move to, you move to Florida, you, you guys like leave New York. Um, and then what happens next? Yeah. So I moved to Orlando. Uh, I grew up here. My husband got a job at a local hospital here. He does high risk obstetrics and, uh, um, he started working and I got to enjoy things I never did. Like I wasn't attached to my Blackberry at the time. I didn't have email that people were sending me. Um, 
I went to brunch. <laughs> um, you know, I was able to take my son to Jimboree. And then uh, six weeks into it, Chris Shulman, the founder of Shulman and Company, called me and said, hey, I'm looking to grow my company and I want you to do it. And I had met him probably 10 years before when I was a manager. Um, I remember at Panera Bread in Tampa. And we talked about me coming to Shulman and Company at the time. And I said, no, I wanted to stay at a big firm and get you know the, the experiences. And he's like, okay. Um, but he said that he knew I would come work for him. He knew it. He said, one day you come work for me. And um, I ended up going to the office in Tampa and talking to him about the role he wanted. And it was a role of someone helping him grow the company. You know, we were about 50 people at the time, um, you know, new services, new locations, potentially, you know, international locations, M&A. And it was something I had never done. I was always professional services. I was always internal. And he said, well, you're so good at that. You can probably take those skills and bring it to help us grow. So I did. I started, I still took off probably about eight more weeks. So I was like four months of um, enjoying my momhood. And I started in uh, July of 2012. And it has been the most exciting and challenging point in my career. Uh, I said to someone the other day, like, I wake up and I'm in my own video game every day. <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, it's I love that. I love that. That is so good. And it's, it's exciting and, you know, it's stressful, but it's not anxiety, right? You know, it's like, I enjoy doing what I'm doing. I have an impact. I came in a role as the executive vice president and in 2018, I took his role as president of the company. And yeah. We wait, wait, slow down, slow down, slow down. You just kind of like said that so casually of like, okay, I came in in 2012 and I helped grow the company. And then in 2018, he said? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So like six years of, of hard work later, I just took the boss's job. <laughs> like, like, hold on. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Listeners, time out. What? How does that happen? How do you, how does that happen? So you're running the show at Shellman now. Yes. Yeah. In technology, I, in cybersecurity, yeah. a brown Indian woman is literally on top running the show. How big is the company now? So uh, we hit uh, $85 million, uh, last year. Um, we are the 71st largest accounting firm in the U.S. We're the youngest on the list. And someone told me I'm the only female minority running a top 100 CPA firm. So there you go. Look yeah. at that. I mean, your awards. I mean, I've seen you come up in the ranks and it's just been so amazing to watch, you know, all the awards, like so well-deserved 40 under 40 entrepreneur of the year. I know you're going to, you have so many incredible, so well-deserved, so incredible of me. So you come in, you take charge. You're like, here's how we're going to do this. You grow revenue, you grow systems, you grow people. Yeah. And you take the company and now you're running, now you just, you took over. Yeah. So uh, Chris luckily is there and he, uh, you know, I tell people you have to have a mentor and a sponsor and he was my sponsor. You know, he says from day one, he knew that um, I was going to, you know, run the show for him. And I can tell you from day one, I didn't even think I was going to run the show for him. So to be able to come and be mentored and sponsored by somebody who has so much faith and trust in you without even really knowing you um is what has allowed me to be you know where i am so he is still around he has announced his retirement um in in a few years he's going to be stepping away but i've been really lucky to kind of have him 
Um, so he still focuses on the internal technology of the company and the legal aspect of it. But um, yeah, I oversee all of our service delivery, human capital, finance, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we have we have grown, but what we what I decided I really wanted to focus on was make it a people centric um, company and. And I think that's the reason we have been able to grow so much. All of that is from my past experience, right? I didn't want people to feel like they were just a number. I wanted them to have autonomy because there was a point where I felt like I didn't have autonomy. I wanted parents to feel like they could be parents and then they can also be successful um, here. So, you know, we decreased the amount of travel people were doing. You know, we have a, a great maternity policy. We have a great paternity policy. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been... The road has been great. During this time, I had Serena, who's now seven years old. Um, and I can tell you, we're having baby number three in about three months. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, the career hasn't stopped me from being a mom and uh, really enjoy being a mother. So, how, how has it not, right? So, I know every woman here listening is, we're so proud of you. Like, this is, I want to just speak on behalf of our community here. It's so badass. You're so amazing. This is so cool. How are you managing this? How are you managing everything, taking over such a large company, growing it? What is a secret? How do you balance? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's secret, but I think there's a few things that I learned along the way. No is a complete sentence. Um, I started saying no and not, not explaining why I'm saying no, right? And, and that's okay. And I think it's so hard for women. I mean, I can tell you, you know, when people ask me to be on, charity boards or help run a silent auction. Like I would say, yes, yes, yes. Or, you know, my son would say, okay, you know, these are all the games that you have to be at. And my husband would say like, I want a home cooked meal. Like I started saying no, like there's, you know, um, and it was very liberating. I mean, it just like changed my world that I realized there are certain things that are really important around what my passions were and what my purpose was. And so that's what I started saying yes to. Um, so that's one. Two, um, I have an amazing support system. You know, my mother lives with us, uh, who is an amazing cook and cooks for us every night, which uh, really helps. And, you know, there's certain things that I have been very lucky that I can, you know, have people help me with, you know, if it's the kids or the house or grocery shopping and so forth. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I know a lot of people aren't, uh, don't have that ability, but, you know, I, I am blessed to be able to do that. Um, and then also making sure that at the firm, I have just the lieutenants. I mean, this, the people who are there, who are helping me, um, you know, who have the same vision I do, who are helping me execute this vision. Um, we have put together just a phenomenal team and I couldn't do it without them every day. Right. So, yeah, I think that's what it is. And, and, you know what? And a very supportive husband. You know, my husband can easily say, you know, um, why are you doing all this? But um, instead, he was like, you need to do more. He will tell me that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm really lucky. And um, yeah, uh, trust me, I'm scared about uh, having baby number three. You know, uh, I'm going to be 40 years old in a few months as well. But yeah, it's it's just a new challenge that we're just adding on. Right. And so, uh, really excited about that. 
I appreciate you sharing your top three. And I, I really do. I, I think we left Hamilton one night and I told you that we're going to be best friends. And uh, yeah, we're gonna, it's the exact same reasons of how I've been able to find balance. But you use the word lucky a few times and yeah. you're deserving of it. Like it, it didn't just happen by luck. You created the life that you designed because you worked hard for it and you put in those pieces in place. I see a lot of times women value time in a different way. For me, if I can have somebody else go pick up the groceries, whether it's even a shipped delivery app, right? It doesn't even have to be having a full-time nanny. Even if it's just little things that I can automate that take time, like that give me back time in my day with my kid, that's what I prioritize versus having a nicer bag or so whatever, another subscription that I don't need. And so really prioritizing. So when you say the word luck, you know, you're so humble because it, it is, it's one thing, no. And I didn't come to that realization probably until just about two years ago. And I'm still working on it. I am such a yes person. I just naturally say yes. I have a very very tough time with this. I have such a tough time setting boundaries. I have such a tough time saying no. Um, cause I care so much about every, every damn thing. I'm just like, ah, oh, yes, I want to do it. I want to do it, but you can't. And you know, something that really helped me was I created this like three bucket principle and it's actually in our CEO school planner. So I'll give that a little shout out here, but in that, in the three, my three buckets, my three buckets, that's the only thing I can focus on are these three main categories. So it's, it's family, it's work and it's self and the self, if community fits in that, or if this podcast fits in that, and if my mentorship and these things fit in that, that's one bucket of itself, but the family bucket is separate and the work bucket is separate. And there isn't a, you know, a such thing for me as work-life balance, it's work-life integration. Like I've not been able to find this harmonious balance that I've, I've heard people say that, oh, it's, it's this, and it's this morning routine and it's this, it's not for me, it's integration. Cause some days I'm a really great mom. It's great mom. It's quality time. It's there. And some days I'm gone on a conference and I'm not home for three days. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm a really great boss and I'm putting in all my time into that bucket. Uh, but when I'm present in whatever bucket I'm present in, that is where I'm filling 100% of the quality into that bucket. And at the end of the week, when I zoom out, that is when I feel full when I'm able to do all three of those things. Um, And that's kind of how I find that balance, but saying no, and then saying no to everything else that isn't those three buckets. That is something that God, I wish somebody had told me, I wish we had this conversation in 2014 because I needed this. No is a complete sentence. That is hard. And even now I say, no, I still feel like I have to justify it. Why? Why? How, okay, so teach us, teach us. Let's do a teaching. How do we just, just, just say no? Just no. Just say no. It was the hardest thing because I remember in meetings, um, if I didn't like an idea, I would say no because. Yes. And tell all my points and people just glazed over. And I realized now in a meeting, if I say no, I don't know, it's like more powerful. And they're like, okay. And we That's move no. on. I got to practice that ladies. Okay. We're going to be practicing. No is a complete sentence. This is amazing. And then, and then having that support system. And unfortunately there are women that do not have that support system. And that is, that is shout out to all the single moms out there. The ones without the family support that are, it is harder. It is definitely, it's harder already to do it as a mother. And it's so much harder to do it without the support. 
but it's leveraging community then, right? So it's leveraging friends and it's leveraging amazing childcare centers. And there's other ways of still accomplishing it. Not that it's easy, but I also too was really lucky to have my parents in my backyard. And I feel like we share a lot of the same cultural things that really do drive our success is that family's always first and family's always around. And so that's there, but in a supportive partner and whether um, it's your friends that are supportive or that is your partner or your spouse or, you know, whoever that person, your person in your life, whoever your person is, it does really lift something off your shoulders when you're not having, you don't have that extra burden of trying to prove it to your partner. That's right. How do you, how do you build that? You know, um, I don't, I don't feel like people, we talk about our spouses enough. We don't talk about that because that also, um, is contributive to your success. And that's been a huge con- like contributor to my success is I've had really strong men in my life. I had, uh, I never had that feeling of being pushed back. I work with my brother every day. My husband is like the most supportive husband. So I feel your husband's a, a full, t- like a, a specialist OB who is, one of the best doctors in Orlando, by the way, um, and has a crazy schedule himself. And you're saying that he's rocking your child while you're on your career. Many Indian men may not be supportive of that. Oh, yeah, I know. And, you know, I'm really lucky because um, he is and, you know, he, he was raised the right way. And, you know, he had a very, he has a very strong mother who had her own career, right? And and I can tell you, you know, there there are tough times. You know, I think a lot of women, we take a lot of that third shift, right? You know, coming home at the end of the day and making sure homework's done, lunches are packed, uh, Christmas gifts are done and birthday gifts are done, you know. Projects, what is up with my kids just like not even in kindergarten yet? And every week I have like, it was like a hundred days of school. Like, why do we need a project for everything? Exactly. And I, and I would take all of that, right? Because a part of me felt that I was the best at it too. Like, you know, and I had to sit my husband down and he had to say, give me some of that. It may not be perfect. It's not going to be the perfect, you know, hundred sequences on the hat, but we'll figure it out and it'll be good enough. And good enough. And that was, that was difficult. And, you know, this weekend he had to work on a Valentine Valentine's day box and I saw it and I'm like, it was blue and gold. And I was like, Valentine's is red and pink. Like, But I let it go. I said, you know what? And my son was happy and he was happy and it was good enough. And, you know, and so um, that was on me, right? I was taking that third shift when I didn't have to, that extra 20 hours, 50 hours a week, I was taking it. And so either, you know, I had to learn to delegate it to somebody else or, you know, let them do it. And it's okay if it's not the way that I was going to do it. Right. And, and it's all learning. It's, 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 it's not easy. And I think women, we are just naturally perfectionist. We are just naturally super mom, right? We hear that. Um, but yeah, sometimes good enough is good enough. No. And, and, and that's so true. And it's so hard sometimes for us to let go of that. We talk every single episode, um, when I have on the grass, somehow perfectionism does come up as a setback and the women that are successful, every single one, every single one has said, I've had to let it go and just say, it's, it's okay. It's okay that it's not perfect. Sure. And it is good enough. And that principle of it's good enough is actually great. And it's, it's actually great. Like it's awesome that his Valentine's box is done. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. And that it's cool and it's blue and it's his, and it, it's, it's in it. It's not looking at it of a sense that it should be perfect in our viewpoint to your son. That's probably perfect. That's yeah. a great moment with his father that he got to build this really cool blue Valentine's box with him. Um, and that is great. That's not just good enough. And we have to change our vocabulary and in, in our thinking and our perfectionism and saying that, you know, it's not just okay. It's amazing. Like this is amazing. Us getting to, uh, you know, be professional women, have children, grow into our careers, have supportive partners. That is what life is all about. Like feminism is not women are greater than men. Feminism is that we are equal to, yeah. right? We are equal to, and this it's, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be in because I see that shift, um, taking place all over. I see that shift with my friends. I see that shift even within our culture. I see that shift taking place where you don't have to be. I actually created a really funny reel uh, this week. It'll post up next week on like uh, things like your Indian parents tell you. And it's like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like literally you have to be a doc. If you don't have kids before 30, you're, you know, your time is done. Right. And it's not, there's like, there's a cultural shift that that is happening. So it's really great to see. What do you say to those women that don't have that, that don't have that supporting spouse? Because we also see that where when women, um, you know, the guys get to choose their careers and they get the advancement and they, and then the, as soon as uh, she, you know they become pregnant, it takes two of them, but she's the one having to take that step back. And then yeah. she takes that step back and it's like, oh, I'll go to back to school. I'll go to work when my kids are in kindergarten. And then that never happens. What do you say to that woman that doesn't have that supporting spouse? Yeah, no, it's hard. And I know so many people and I could have easily been there, right? You know, a part of us is asking what we want, say what you want, right? You know, most of the time, if you, you kind of go to your spouse and say, you know, this is what I want in my life and we got to figure it out. It may work. Right. And, and I think it's, it's, you know, I hate to say ask for permission, but ask for what you want and, or tell people what you want at the end of the day. And, and figure it out. You know, it's, um, I love seeing more women um, in the workplace. I love seeing more dads who are staying home and taking care of kids and really embracing it. But yeah, it's, we owe it to all women to start having those open conversations with our spouses. But not only that, I have to have these open conversations with my husband so my son can see it. You know, I want him you know, if he has, a, he's only 10 years old, but when he has a spouse who can have a very lucrative career and which may mean for a few years, he has to be the stay at home dad. I want him to embrace it and be okay with it. And so if we don't start taking those steps right now and having those difficult conversations, I mean, I remember having a conversation with my dad who, you know, um, left India because he had two daughters and I, I was born here, but he left because he knew that he wanted his daughters to have a different life that was open to a lot more opportunity. Right. And I can't take that step back. If he came all the way, you know, across the ocean with no money, a degree that didn't translate in the U S and was mopping floors at a McDonald's, I can't take a step back. Right. You know, I owe it to him and I owe it to every other immigrant parent who came here for a better life for their children. Right. And so um, yeah, having that conversation, having that open dialogue and demanding that, you know, I, this is what I want. Um, and I'll tell you a funny story. We were, we live in Windermere and we were in downtown Windermere and, um, it was me and my son and my daughter. And I ran into a client who's the CEO of a company. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's a client of mine, a CEO of a company. And he's like, who the man or the woman. 
And I was like, yes, like, you know, he, he didn't, like, in my mind, it was like the male was a CEO, which was true. But my husband, but my son was like, who the, the, the guy or the girl. And I was like, yes, like, that's what we want. Right. We want to make sure that our children don't have that bias. And, you know, he's never going to have that conversation probably with his spouse about, you know, you do the domestic work and I'll go to a nine to five job. Right. And so, so when I think about it, I think about what's the legacy that I'm leaving my children, right? It's not the jewelry and the money, right? It's the um, the passion of doing what you can do for the better life of your family, for the better life of uh, the little part of the map that we're part of, right? And so um, that's what I would tell the women is, you know, it, your life may be the way it is, but just know the decisions you make really affect um, that next generation. I really do. And I, I appreciate the, the, the candor here and the support because sometimes having that crucial conversation is really difficult, uh, but it, it's needed and we have to have it so that the future generation doesn't. And, and the women before us that have paved the way for us to be here, we owe it to the future feminists, for the future girls that don't have to actually be feminists, right? Like there shouldn't be feminism. When Mila's starting her career, there shouldn't even be this concept because we've solved for it. Yeah, I don't want the word gender inequity to even be words that my kids know, right? Or pay inequity or, you know, those things shouldn't even be in the vocabulary of the next generation, right? We should we should help solve those things while we can. And I think it's on us, right? And and the decisions that we make are really going to affect that. And and that's how I look at it. You know, my life is my life and but, you know, these small changes can have a massive impact when you take your small change and my small change and the women who are listening, you know, small change, regardless of your uh, stay at home mom or an entrepreneur or an executive of a fortune 500 company, right? We all have these little building blocks that we can do um, that make such a big impact. Absolutely. And I know one of the ways that you make an impact always is mentorship. Um, you do so much for the community. And I, I kind of want to talk about that to see like, you know, what are the things that we can support you with? You know, you've shared so much knowledge with us today. Would love to see how can we support you in your journey? And uh, what are some things that are, you know, you're passionate about that we can also get behind? Sure. Well, um, you know, I talked about um, you have your buckets. I have a, I have like a purpose statement. So I say to no to anything that doesn't fit my purpose statement. So it could be community related things, work related, um, family related. And one of my big purposes is helping women and children in our community. And um, I, I was, I'm lucky enough to be part of a group called 100 Women Strong. We're venture philanthropists. And I really enjoy that because like I told you, I'm not great at fundraising or throwing galas. That's not my thing. You know, my skill set is data and technology and auditing, right? I'm a CPA. Um, and what we do is we pull money together to solve source problems related to women and children in our community. And I love that. And um, we're having a summit come up um, in two weeks around women empowerment, you know, how to um, make sure women are empowered in finance, healthcare, healthcare disparities, Getting more women, um, PE funding is one of the topics that we're going to be talking about. So I really uh, am passionate about, um, you know, philanthropy that makes an impact and what I call strategic philanthropy. Uh, also really involved in the, um, the children's hospital here. Uh, I think if you can change the life 
of a mom and a child, you've changed the life of multiple generations, right? You know, you know, giving the mother what she needs to be successful is going to allow her children to be successful. I mean, it's a big mantra that I, I've always um, thought to be true. So, yeah, no, I would love, you know, any woman who wants to learn more about, you know, how to help women and children in the community, I'm happy to have that conversation with them. Well, awesome. We'll link some of the websites here on the show notes for the audience. You guys can also be part of the movement of me. This has just been, I get to sit here and talk to you. I have so many more questions. I know the audience uh, definitely wants to dig deep. So I'm actually going to invite you back. I don't uh, usually do that on the show for like the next one, but I really want to dig deeper into the difference between having a mentor and a sponsor, especially for professional women, because one of the things that has made me so successful is incredible mentors. I didn't do this alone. I didn't like come up. I, like, I didn't go to CEO school. This is where this comes from. Um, and it's, it's really learning from other women. And there's a huge difference between having a mentor and a sponsor, and you need to have both to be successful. So I would love to pick 20 minutes. We do, we do this uh, series called wind down Wednesday. So it's going to be 20 minutes. And I'd love to just deep dive further into double click into this particular topic so that we can learn how we can find mentors, how we can find sponsors and really just up level our professional, our professional and, and personal lives. Uh, so would you, would you be willing to come back for that? Of course, I would love to. I enjoy talking to you and the women on this show. So anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to today's show on CEO School. Avni, it's been such a pleasure. We'll see you next week at CEO School. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Follow us at CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes that you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building million dollar businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you absolutely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love the show, screenshot the review and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way.